I believe there's great power in singing, praising, and shouting to God. Because when you experience the reality of who this baby Jesus truly is, you will sing, you will praise, and you will shout. You just have to. You can't help but. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word praise as an expression of approval and to glorify. And likewise, rejoice means to give joy and to feel great joy. So do these define how you're experiencing Christmas? Here's David with a message called, A Choice to Rejoice. I believe there's great power in singing, praising, and shouting to God. And I believe when you know who God is, and particularly if you know who Jesus is, your natural response is going to be to shout and to praise and to sing to God. God is the one who's worthy of our praise, and especially if you know who Jesus is. Now, now here's the question I want to use to begin today's message. Are any of you going through a difficult time? And are any of you in a waiting time period? where you feel like there's something you deeply desire, a dream of your heart, and God just hasn't come through yet. Well, if that's where you are today, have I got a message for you. And one of the instruments that God wants to give you in your waiting time period is to praise, shout, and sing. Because when you do those things, believing in faith, it's already happened in the heavenlies. It gives you the ability to keep on waiting. Now, let's look at some Bible verses right now that address this whole idea of singing, shouting, and praising. First of all, look at Psalm 47.1. Clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 95.1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. See, for those of you who can't sing, Here's your answer biblically. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. From Psalm 33, 1 through 3, some of my favorite verses about this subject. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. You know what that's saying? When you praise God, it looks good on you. When you wear a nice outfit and somebody says, man, that outfit really looks good on you. When you praise and sing and shout to God, that really looks good on you from God's perspective. He goes, wow, nice outfit. I like it. And then he keeps on going. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Ezra 3.11, as the foundation of the temple was laid after 70 years in the captivity, look what happened. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he's good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people, what? Shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Job 38, 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, there's going to be a day when all the angels and all of us sing and shout together in praise to God. Isn't that going to be a great day? And Psalm 149, verse 5, let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. We should even be singing as we're getting ready to go to sleep. And finally, Exodus 15, 1, after God delivered the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery and captivity, 
And the Red Sea was part, and they got to the other side, and the ocean swallowed up all the Egyptian soldiers. Look at what's written. I will sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. Here's my deal, folks. I think if you really, really believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins, has forgiven you of everything you've done wrong, and has granted you the privilege of eternal life, you would sing, shout, and praise to the Lord. Would you give it just a little bit of a try right here? I mean, you would do it at a game that your favorite team won. You wouldn't hesitate to sing, shout, and praise. It's an instrument that God's given you against the enemy, especially as you have to wait. The power of singing. Last week we saw it with the angels and the shepherds. When the angels appeared to the shepherds as they were watching their flocks by night, and they announced the coming of Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. That's who this child is that we're celebrating this time of year. As they realized it, they immediately broke into a million-plus angels' chorus, glory to God in the highest Peace on earth, goodwill to all people. Man, can't you imagine what that scene was like? Angels singing and shouting and praising God over the birth of Jesus. And then the shepherds went to try to find this baby. They did in Bethlehem. And when they saw him, they told Mary and Joseph what they had just experienced. And when they went back, what did they do? They sang, they shouted, and they praised. Because when you experience the reality of who this baby Jesus truly is, you will sing, you will praise, and you will shout. You just have to. You can't help but. Now, the next group of people we want to look at as an example of this truth as you're waiting on the Lord to sing, shout, and praise is a man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah. We look at his story starting in the beginning verses of Luke 1. Let me give you an overview of his story. He's married to Elizabeth, and they've been married a long time. They were going through one of the scourges and reproaches of that day, infertility. They'd wanted a baby so badly, and they'd waited and waited and tried and tried and nothing. Because Marilyn and I have been through that particular dilemma, we know what people feel. For years, we wanted a child and nothing happened. And when that happens, not only do you think maybe God's punishing me, that I've done something wrong, but you think that there's no way God could possibly love me. That's what Zechariah and Elizabeth were going through. And what's amazing is Zechariah was a priest. He was a blameless and righteous man, the Bible says. Well, one day as worship in the temple occurred, Zechariah drew lots with other priests to see who would get the privilege that year of going into the inner circle and doing the ministry to God. Zechariah won the lot draw. But what's so interesting, folks, is Proverbs 16.33 says that even the drawing of lots is under the hand of a sovereign God. There's nothing beyond his control. So he wanted Zechariah in that inner part of the temple that day at that moment. So Zechariah goes in and he's next to the altar of incense, a burning candle that's lifting up smoke and incense to God. It smells wondrously. It's beautiful 
as Zechariah is ministering in the name of the Lord. Now, interestingly, that smoke going upward biblically is symbolic of the prayers of God's people rising to God. So this text tells us that probably as Zechariah watches that smoke and incense rise toward God and he knows that's an example of a godly person praying, he offers a prayer one more time to God. And what does he pray? God, give me a what? Give me a baby. Give Elizabeth and me a baby, please. We're, we're later in years. It doesn't look hopeful. We've waited for so long. Please give us a baby. And immediately an angel of the Lord appears. Now, the word angel means messenger. So this angel is a messenger from God. And he appears before Zechariah, and he says these words. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer, and you're going to have a son. And his name's going to be John. The name John means gracious from God. For those of you who are spiritually seeking today, the uniqueness of the Christian faith is the grace of God. Every other world's religion says we've got to work hard for God's approval. The Christian faith is the one that says, no, amidst your decadence and sin, God comes to you and offers you his grace. His name is John. Zechariah's response, how can this be? We're old. We're beyond childbearing years. How can this be? And it's not a question of wonder. It's a question of doubt. Hang on. You'll see why. The angel's response to John's question is, well, my name is Gabriel. Do you know what the name Gabriel means? Hero of God. Isn't that cool? I want to change my name to David Gabriel Chadwick. I mean, I'll do anything to get rid of my middle name right now. Wouldn't you just love for God to call you his hero? And then Gabriel says something really cool. He says, I stand in the presence of God all the time. <laughs> Why is that cool? He gives his name, hero of God. Then he gives his job description to simply stand in the presence of God and do whatever God bids him to do. I'd love to be called a hero of God, and folks, I want that to be my job description, to regularly stand in the presence of God and do whatever he tells me to do. Gabriel, God sent me to you, Zechariah, as a messenger, an angel, to tell you a son is on the way. Of course, then again, Zechariah's response was doubt, and in his doubt, God shut his mouth for the rest of the pregnancy. I mean, he was mute. He couldn't say a word. Now, why? Here's my answer, what I believe. I don't think any of us know the power of negative words. Jesus said, in fact, that we're going to be judged for every idle word we've ever spoken. I think there's life and death in the tongue. We can give life to people with our words or we can give death to people. Remember I shared with you last week how Marilyn and I with our children when they finally came after long years of waiting, we would sing to them in the womb. We would pray over them in the womb. 
We would talk to them in the womb because we believe they could understand in some mysterious way of faith. Well, Zechariah was so filled with doubt and so filled with unbelief, God was basically saying to him, I don't want your negative words spoken over this special child. I don't want your words of doubt and your words of unbelief spoken over this child. Because, folks, words, our mouths are connected to our hearts. And I'd invite all of you to do a word inventory on a regular basis because if you're speaking negative, critical, unbelieving words, it shows a negative, critical, unbelieving heart. So God shuts Zechariah's mouth up for nine months. He comes out of the temple and he can't say a word. People say, you must have seen a vision. He did. Next act in the story has to do with Mary. Mary is a virgin, had not had relations with any man, and who comes to see her? What, what angel visits her? His name is Gabriel, hero of God, who stands in the presence of God, doing whatever God tells him to do. He must have left Zechariah, gone back to heaven. God said, brief, stay here, repack your bags, going back. He sends him back to Mary, and he says, Mary, my name's Gabriel. I'm an angel of God, and you're going to have a baby. And she asked, how can this be? Like Zechariah. But there's a huge difference. It wasn't a question of doubt. It was a question of, I'm a virgin. How's this going to happen? Now, now, folks, again, like I said last week, don't discount the importance of the doctrine of the virgin birth. It is essential for Christian faith. Because Jesus has to be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to bypass the way that this sin problem, our selfishness problem, has continued to pass on. So God creates a sinless human being in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, and this sinless person named Jesus, whom Gabriel calls Jesus, is going to grow up, live a perfect life, die on the cross, take all of our sins upon himself that we can't have because if we don't have our sins forgiven, we can't go in front of the presence of God. So Jesus takes all of those sins upon himself to grant us the gift of the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. He has to be sinless. So Mary's just asking the question, how can this be? Because I've never had relations with a man. <laughs> and then Gabriel says something very powerful to all of you who are right now in the waiting room of faith. To all of you who are wondering if God's going to come through with you, with, for you with your desires and your dreams. Luke 137. It's a great verse to memorize. You can memorize it. Here it is. Gabriel says to Mary, Nothing is impossible with God. Does anybody want to shout, sing, or praise about that one? Nothing is impossible with God. Folks, I looked up the word nothing in the dictionary this week. Guess what it means? Not one thing. I don't care what you're going through. Infertility, job loss, loneliness, despair. Nothing is impossible for God to overcome your issues. That's what Gabriel said to Mary. That's what he said. And Mary's response is so unlike Zechariah's. Here's her response. You know, in our society, we've got people who look at situations and casually, nonchalantly shrug their shoulders and go, oh, Whatever. Well, Mary said basically whatever, but not with a shrug of the shoulders. She said, whatever. Whatever you want, God, I'll do for you. 
But, but the next part of the story is after Mary's child is conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit, she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife. And when Mary walks into the room, Elizabeth's like around three to four months pregnant, and Mary walks in newly conceived with Jesus. John, who's in Mary's womb, and Jesus, who's named such by God. What does Jesus' name mean? Savior. Because our greatest need, folks, is to be forgiven of our sins. Our greatest need is not a larger salary. Our greatest need is eternal life, the guarantee of victory over sin and death. So Jesus' name tells his mission. He's the savior of our sins. And when Jesus walks into the room with Mary, John leaps in the womb of Elizabeth. Now, now many of you have asked me through the years, why am I so doggedly pro-life? Because I believe the book, and one of the most powerful questions you've got to ask, if you're not, and you don't believe life begins at conception, and you believe that's just a mass of tissue and just a fetus, you've got to ask the question, how can a mere fetus and a mass of tissue leap with joy in the presence of Jesus? There's some kind of Holy Spirit-inspired movement that happened in the womb of Elizabeth when John was in the presence of his Savior, Jesus. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an interesting conversation about joy. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center, and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals will shift to the dream center with the kitchen you helped us do so we're so grateful you guys god bless you god bless moments of hope and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seeds you sowed into this ministry thank you very much 
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us. It's great being with you as well, Jen. Well, in this morning's moment of hope, you wrote a timely piece and maybe my favorite one, you wrote on joy. That's because you are Miss Joy yourself. (laughs) You are one of the most pleasant people I've ever been around. And folks, you need to know that, that Jen Houston equals joy. Well, my middle name (laughs) is also Joy. Thank you, David. The name fits the personality. Well, your parents must have known who you were going to become. Well, Jen, let's talk about this word that's often on the baubles that hang from our Christmas trees or the word is on our mantles in our homes. Uh, Joy is associated with Christmas. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus came to us and in his death on the cross, he now guarantees his life in us as we receive him as Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus' great message is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when he lives in us and we abide in him and he abides in us, John 15, 1 through 5 language, we have fruit that flows forth from that root of life in him. And in Galatians 5.22, we see that that first fruit is love, which is why God pursued us in Jesus. He loves us so much, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. But the second fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what is joy? We sometimes confuse joy with happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, happiness demands circumstances to be great around us in order to feel happy. Uh, the word happen, the old English language, actually means circumstance. But joy is totally different. Mm-hmm. Joy is not happiness. Joy doesn't demand the circumstances to be right. Joy is an inward reality that's always there because your life is rooted in joy. Jesus. It is an emotion, but it's a sense of God's presence and working things out together for good, no matter what the circumstances may be, that allows our life to continue to move forward again, no matter what may be going on around us. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me in James, it talks about having joy in the trials. And of course, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Nehemiah 8.10, it's a great verse as well. It's amazing. And we need to be strong in these days. And that's a personal word. I felt like the Lord has shown me recently in in all of this COVID times how important joy is as believers for us to carry joy in our homes and then to spread it in our spheres of influence. Someone once said the acronym JOY, J-O-Y, can be summed up as J is Jesus first, O, others next, Y, yourself last. And I think there's some truth to that. Joy is found in the giving of your life to other people, but it's because we know of the joy of the Lord in us following the one who gave his life for us. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so good. That's an easy acronym to remember. Well, let's continue to place ourselves under Jesus' authority, but realize it's not a slave-master relationship. It's a father-son-daughter relationship now, and we are in his life, his life is in us, and that means no matter what we face, he will give us the strength to face it. Paul is shackled to a Roman prison cell wall when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what you face, you have his strength, his joy working in and through you to accomplish his will for your life. Wow, so good. Thank you so much for your thoughts today, David. And Merry Christmas to all of you out there and reclaim the meaning of joy during this Christmas season. It's an important word for all of us to have now and forever. 
This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for a spirit of unity this Christmas season.